Welcome to I'd Rather Stay In with your hosts, Megan Myers and Steffi Predmore. This week, we're talking about reproductive rights with our special guest, Nikki Lewis. Stay tuned. Do you love listening to I'd Rather Stay In and want to support the podcast? Well, now you can. Visit our website or the link in our Instagram profile and click Buy Me a Coffee or visit buymeacoffee.com slash podcast. For the price of a cup of coffee, you can help us cover the costs of creating this podcast. There are no monthly memberships, and you can support us at whatever level you like, whenever you like. Whether you buy us one coffee, many coffees, or simply continue listening as always, we're so grateful for your support. Hello, Megan. Good morning, Steffi. How's it going? I am very sleepy because my son woke me up at 4.30 this morning. Oh, no. Is he because he doesn't feel good? Yeah. So he woke up. I guess he went to bed really early last night. He went to bed. He basically um, broke down in tears at dinner. <laughs> because, oh, buddy. Because his, his head, he got, he got a headache and he had a little, he had a fever and it just like came so suddenly. Oh. It like made him really emotional, which I have been there. So I Yes, I understand. cry almost every time I have a fever. Yeah, and so he went to sleep on the couch, and then after dinner, we just took him right up to bed. So he woke up at 4.30 probably because he had slept for so long. <laughs> and he was like, hey, my throat still hurts. And I was like, okay. <laughs> You're like, great, great uh, news. Thanks for the update. Cool. <laughs> uh, I don't have any throat medicine for you, so uh, take this elderberry. 4.30, and Wal- Walgreens <laughs> is not open right now, bud. <laughs> yeah, we don't live in a town with 24-hour Walgreens, so... No. Um, I gave him an elderberry pill and I sent him back to bed. And then I tried to go back to sleep. And I think I eventually did, but I, I don't know how long it took. And so I'm just a little, like, extra sleepy. And it's Monday instead of Tuesday. And so it's just a little, like, a lot. I feel like a lot's happening today and it's only the morning. Yeah, so. I'm going to need a little extra caffeine to get myself through through the day and the week as a well. A little bit, a little bit, yeah. Strongly. I was, like, going to... Wake up. I was going to get up a little bit early and so I could wash my hair this morning. And then my alarm went off and I was like, uh-uh, no, we will do that tomorrow. <laughs> but I reset my alarm for like 45 minutes later. I was like, yeah, we're just gonna, we're just gonna put in a headband today. Call it a day. So I feel that. I feel that. Yeah. And I have to, oh, I have to wash my hair today. Not that it's as, as big of a thing as it is for you, but I'm getting my it's hair true. cut tomorrow and so I want it to be like actually look like the way it looks nice when I go to see her as opposed to looking like a trash panda what is what I usually go to her with yes I know it's funny because I saw um on our friend Monica's stories who goes and gets her hair cut at the same gal that we do that she recently got her hair cut she was like I'm trying this new thing where my hair actually looks the way it's supposed to when I go in so she knows what my hair can actually do instead of having right. it like greasy and a top knot on top of my head and I was like I'm sorry what is this what is this witchcraft but right, I feel like I should show what? her like I'm not disgusting all the time. I know. Sometimes I always go my hair is like, clean. <laughs> <laughs> it's like always like pulled back, and of course my curls get stretched out because they've been pulled back for like four days at that point. She's like, "What is happening here?" And then it's a salon, so like the lighting, of course, is amazing, and I don't have any makeup on, and I look awful and. It's scary. It's, it's scary to look thing. in that mirror sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But we'll get through it. But your hair will look so beautiful for Scotland. It will. Next week. Will. So there you go. You'll look so lovely. <laughs> so exciting. So you guys, you know there's many things that we feel very strongly about. And also you should know by now that one of those things is reproductive rights. If you haven't picked up on that, then my God, I'm so sorry. Uh, so today we are today we are joined by one of my uh, birth mom friends, Nikki Lewis, to talk about her experience with abortion and all things reproductive justice. Welcome, Nikki. Hello. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So um, as you already alluded to, I'm Nikki. I am a birth mom and um, also a woman who's experienced abortion as well. Uh, I am a loud 
and very opinionated woman. So um, <laughs> we don't know anything about t- that. It's very foreign <laughs> no. to us. I, I can imagine that it's something that you just have no clue what it's like. So, um, but also understand that obviously in our current world that we can't be quiet a lot of the times. So if we have a voice, we should be using it. And I have tried to do that a lot in the last year and a half, two years, as I've been on my reunion journey with my daughter uh, and uncovering a lot of things about myself, um, things that I experienced over the last couple to the last two decades uh, that I just didn't even know I was working through. So I met you through the adoption community on Instagram, um, and I have seen what an advocate you are for reproductive rights, especially, you know, as of late. So can you share a bit of your story with us and share why this is such an important issue for you? Yes, this is a huge one. Um, So my story just why I'm so passionate and loud is uh, I originally got pregnant when I was 16. Uh, by the time I figured out I was pregnant, I was about 20 weeks along. Um, and the only decision I had was continue your pregnancy. After that, it was, hey, uh, I don't feel confident to be a parent, so uh, I'm going to place my daughter for adoption. So that was 16, 17-year-old Nikki uh, then I found myself, hey, I'm an adult. Let me go experience life. And at 21, I also found myself pregnant. Uh, at that time, I was married. I was in a much different situation than I was at 16 and knew that that was not the right time to be a mother. Uh, the marriage wasn't healthy. The whole, everything about it was not healthy. Uh, so I opted to get an abortion and never looked back on that. Let me say that I, that is something I think some people are afraid to say. For me, I will probably tell you like that was not a moment that I harp on a lot in my life. Um, but I will tell you what I do harp on a lot and what is like hits me almost every day when I wake up is the, my first pregnancy. Uh, so as a woman who's been pregnant twice, who has uh, not parented any children and found herself in situations where she's not ready to be a parent or not prepared to be a parent or doesn't have the support to parent. Um, Having a choice to carry a pregnancy to term or not is so important to me. Um, And I think every woman should have that. Whatever the decision is after that is up to her, but being able to have all of the information and to make that yourself is just, is key. So it was about 10 years before anyone else knew about your abortion. When did you first feel comfortable telling someone and what was it like to finally share that for the first time? Oh gosh, I, that was such a moment. So, um, I 21 got pregnant. I was living away from my family at that time in a different state. So it was easy to like hide that information from everybody. So at the time it was literally just my husband and I that knew what I did. Um, I actually lost my job during that time, too, because I had to take time off to recover from the abortion. So um, I was pretty isolated after that. Um, And I didn't I could not tell anybody. So he came from a pretty religious family. Obviously, I was not going to tell any of them. My family was away. Uh, It took about 10 years. I'm pretty sure the first person I told was my little sister, who is my best friend. Uh, Her and I talk about everything now. But I mean, even then, this was still... Gosh, this was like eight years ago that I finally told her about my about my situation. She's okay. She's probably the most non-judgmental person when it comes to everything I tell her because I tell her a lot and sometimes it can be overwhelming for her. Um, but it's freeing. It was incredibly freeing to not have to carry around a secret, especially when so many people know the other half of my of my motherhood story um, and speak about it often and I'm praised and uh, put on a pedestal for some of the other actions, but without knowing my full story. So you just cute us up to really dig into this adoption versus abortion thing. Uh, because you said like you, you kept the abortion a secret for 10 years. Um, that's, I mean, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big secret to keep from your entire family versus being lauded as a birth mom. Um, those are those are two very different experiences. And we know that the quote pro-life really 
uh, anti-abortion community loves to prop up adoption as the you know solution to abortion or the opposite of abortion. But as someone who has placed a child and had an abortion, can you talk about why this rhetoric is so damaging and so incorrect and how you have walked through and carried, you know, being propped up on a pedestal as a birth mom and then, you know, potentially facing judgment and shame for having an abortion. Yeah, this this is something that I think is so important because in the same sentence, I can be told that I'm so brave and so many beautiful things and also be a murderer, um, which I find to be a very odd statement to hear. But um, first off, what is the most important thing to understand is that when you're a pregnant woman or a pregnant person, you are faced with two options initially. It's do I terminate a pregnancy or do I carry a pregnancy? That's not parent adoption abortion. It is carry or terminate. Those are your options. Once you decide to choose to carry to, ter- carry to term, then you can talk about do you want a parent or do you want a place? Um, so many people just throw all three options out there. I think it is really important to, to differentiate that it's terminate or, or, or carry first. As a, a, another birth mom friend of mine, Ashley Mitchell, always says that uh, adoption is a parenting choice first and it's not a pregnancy choice. Yes, yes, exactly. And that's talked a lot about. Yeah, we talk about that a lot in our community, but obviously we are very deeply rooted in adoption and understand how different those situations are. If you're not, I can understand how it can be this easy thing to throw out there. I don't think it's right. Yeah, because there's nuance to it, right? (laughs) Yes, yes. But I will say it has been, um, so I placed 22 years ago and for 22 years, I've never been quiet about my adoption story. I have always shared that I had a daughter. I always shared that I um, got pregnant and placed before I even started my senior year of high school. That has never been a secret. Um, But abortion has been a secret for 10 years. But publicly, I kept it for way longer than 10 years. There was only a small group of people that have known about it in the last seven or the last seven years. Um, But it's so, so, so important to understand the difference between abortion and adoption and what it does to uh, a woman. I can only speak for myself as uh, the woman who carried and the woman who terminated is that I have had more more mental obstacles to overcome because of adoption than I ever did because of abortion. Um, And I know people, they hear me say that and they they question it or they just can't wrap their head around it or the immediate response is, but you have a child at least, but there's you, you at least have this, you saved this life. I am thankful every day that my daughter is around. I'm thankful that I have a relationship with her. I would never go back on that. I also recognize that I don't think I could have done it a second time. I think I would have broke worse than I really, than I have in the last couple of years, if I had had to do it again. If anybody had forced me to make that decision a second time, like I don't think I would be here today to talk about this. We talk, we hear a lot of um, conversation in you know, the abortion world is like, we need to have those, those um, well, in case, in case of the mother's life, right? And I challenge a lot of people that, yes, there's obviously a very clear medical like issue for her, for a mother to her life to be at risk if she were to carry the term. But I also like there's the mental health risk too, which I don't think we ever really talk about. And that's something that you can't really just like put a definitive like medical diagnosis on. But if I had had to carry the term I and had to place again, I would not be living today. I can guarantee that. Um, the first adoption put way too much of a toll on me that I'm only just now realizing 22 years later that I don't think, and, and that's something that we have to recognize is that for the life of the mother is not always just a very clear, like physical health condition. Mental health is something we have to recognize. That's actually what I was going to, going to say that I think that that's something we definitely do not 
talk about at all when it comes to this debate when people get all up in arms about the nuances of everything they don't ever stop to consider the it's not just the life of the person but it's it's more than the physical life it's the mental life it's the whole package of everything that the human person experiences as a mother as choosing not to be a mother it no one ever thinks about that emotional burden and the only yeah. i mean people that have been through it have but it's never a conversation for the people who are very supposedly i want to you know quote unquote concerned about the situation <laughs> i love that <laughs> they don't have solutions for that they just think well you know the best thing you could possibly do is to have the baby no matter yeah. what they don't and also the mental aspect for the child yeah they don't yes. want to get into any of that they just they just think one thing is the answer and don't think about any of the nuance yeah and i know now uh i try to spend a lot of time listening to adult adoptees because that is what i need to do so i can be the best birth mom for my daughter um, as we navigate adulthood for both of us and reunion but I'm hearing, you know, we, we hear about unwanted pregnancies so often. And I cannot imagine just being an adult who knew that they were an unwanted pregnant. They were the product of an unwanted pregnancy and just hearing that unwanted, unwanted, unwanted. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. like, there are so many. And that's just one small factor because there's a whole list of things that abortion doesn't like anti-abortion doesn't even solve. It's just a reaction to all of these things that we have never taken the time to really work through. Mm -hmm. Nikki, I'm, I can't remember the answer to this question. So please help me. Um, what is your uh, religious background? And <laughs> like, so, uh, you know, as you were preparing to have the abortion and afterwards, like, did you have anything to work through there? Um, just like within yourself and like confronting some of the untruths that you maybe grew up hearing? Yeah. So I will say I'm very fortunate in this sense that I grew up in a very open household. Uh, both my parents were from very religious uh, upbringings. And so they told my sister and I, hey, go and explore. So I did not grow up in the church. I did not grow up with, um, I did not have to fight any kind of religious views or thoughts as I um, was going through both adoption and abortion. So I consider myself lucky in that, that I, that I did not have to have any internal battles. I think those battles then came later on as I live in a very conservative and religious community now. And um, for the last, gosh, for the last like decade, I've been in uh, professions where I could not share my full story and I had to fit a mold so that I could fit into this conservative religious community, uh, especially when you're working for a nonprofit and you have to ask those people for money. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so it was more of a later in, in this battle where I've had to realize like, oh, I have to bite my tongue. I can't be all of me because I still need a job. Right. Because of this part of your personal history, like how fucking bullshit yeah. is that? Oh, I, I am very, very, very thankful that at the beginning of this year, I made a career change and that does not play a factor into this career at all. And, you know, they, some of my coworkers have seen as I have become louder about certain aspects, as I have revealed parts of my story that weren't so public before. And that is not, that is not like a, I'm not shunned at the office. I have not been put on. Uh, any kind of performance evaluation because they learned the real me. Uh, it, I actually think, honestly, being honest has created so many more conversations and better, healthy dialogue. And that's all I've ever wanted. So as you have begun telling more people and becoming more public about your abortion experience, what, what led you to wanting to be more public about this and what has been the response you've received? Well, um, oddly, last year when the Dobbs case first went to the Supreme Court, it was the beginning of December and it was actually my first day 
uh, working with a brand new therapist. And I remember leaving that therapy session and I was on an absolute high. I was like, I found the right therapist to help me work through my adoption and relinquishment trauma, to help me work through ADHD and like everything else that I've been like carrying. I was so high. And then later that afternoon, I read the transcripts from the case. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm just what laughing the hell? because this has happened to me so often where like I leave therapy and I'm like, you know what? I feel really good. I worked yeah. through some shit this week. And then like later that day or the next day, some shit happens. And you're like calling your therapist like, hi, long time no see. Can I see you again? <laughs> yeah. That that was that day. And I remember like for me, that was like a turning point. Like I got mad and I, you know, I've been more passive about a lot of things up until like that day. And it just changed my my thoughts. But then it was obviously the leaking of uh, the Supreme Court ruling back in May that changed everything for me. I was like, you're you lose, you're continuing to use that gross language related to adoption in this decision. You are just casually throwing out like how I looked at it. I was like, you were just casually throwing out my life experiences. Like it didn't matter. Like it didn't care. You didn't care that these are the things that I've been through and this is what happened because of it. And so it was in May that I said, screw it. I don't need to be quiet anymore. I was only keeping quiet because of my job and I don't have to worry about that anymore. So that's when I was like, I'm going to just tell everybody that I've had an abortion and I don't care if they know. That's what it was. It was like, I just don't care anymore. And I wanted people to have like a face with the action because so often people just think about it and they don't think about the women who go through it and who have to experience it and the reasons why. And if you can put a face with that, especially if you can put a face of somebody that you've respected for so long and say, hey, guess what? You've never thought of me as a murderer. So why would I change now? Um, I'm that literally changed. the same person that I was before. Yeah. Nothing about me has changed. And guess what? Like you have, you have been a supporter and a cheerleader for me for all of these years. Why not continue? Um, I will say like, there was some really great conversations that came from making that public statement. One, the best part, which I guess I wasn't expecting, but maybe had hoped, which was like the outpouring of other women who were just like, Hey, you said what I couldn't say. And mm-hmm. all of the friends that I didn't know that had had abortions, whether they were, uh, whether they were medical, um, whether they were through miscarriage or they were the pill, whatever it was. Like I had so many people that were just like, Hey, I've had one too. I've had one too. Like I didn't even know about one of my closest friends who had had one. And she shared with me her story. And that means more than anything to just like know that maybe just for one second, I was able to help them find their voice or be able to share that they're not alone. And uh, there were some other conversations too. There was one, I will not forget this because this was very shocking. Um, I have a friend in the community. He works for a um, Catholic school and church in our community and very much a Catholic guy. Uh, I've known him through a few different circles, but he came up to me at an event a couple, maybe a week later. It was like first public outing since I made that statement. And he's like, hey, I saw what you said and I would like to have lunch. Can we spend some time, can we sit down um, and talk? I wanna just hear your thoughts on it. And that was like, hey, okay, cool. Like you represent something that is very very much the opposite of what I just shared. And you're willing to just listen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to remember too, that as you are making yourself one of the faces of the situation that there have been studies done that say about 25% of, excuse me, Uh, 25% of all American women by the time they are done with their childbearing years Mm -hmm. will have gotten an abortion. And that is a huge number. I don't think people realize how big of a number that actually is. That's one in four. One in four of your friends. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I, I, when I learned that number too, I was shocked. I was like, okay, why are we not like not talking about how 
how just how common it is and how mm-hmm. if you're talking if you're sharing spewing there's like gross rhetoric out there you are hurting somebody in your circle absolutely you really and there's are this, people yeah. hear you they hear the gross shit that you say yeah and then you are no longer a safe place for them mm-hmm. and not only not only again like you know you 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 say like not only the people in your life that might have had an abortion but also the birth moms or the adoptees who may have an abortion clinic as part of their story even mm-hmm. if their abortion an abortion didn't take place like you just they hear this stuff people hear mm-hmm. this stuff and then they're like i thought you were a cool person i thought you were my friend but it turns out you're actually an asshole <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes yes <laughs> i have a lot of those conversations with myself or my sister. I try not to say those out aloud too often just because I'm, for me, I, I have tried to, I've worked really hard to also allow some of those views to like come into my space because I would rather talk to them and and like understand why they feel this way and talk about, Hey, like we're both talking about reactionary things we all could band together and be more proactive. Like what are causing, what are the reasons that would lead to a woman to have to even make this decision? Absolutely. And that is what drives me bonkers is that we put all of this energy and from both sides, like we put all this energy into like this one thing, which don't get me wrong. Like I am very much pro-choice. I, I told Steffi before in your group that like I would consider myself pro-abortion, which is not something that somebody says often Um, and it's not that I want everybody to just go out and get them, but I understand how important they are for anybody who needs one. Right. But like, we are talking about something that can easily be prevented Mm -hmm. if we got to the root causes, which is like, as a woman, oh man, I don't think I understood my body until just two years ago. (laughs) So... Still struggling there, but you know. (laughs) Well, the only reason I understand mine at all is because I am infertile, and so I spent a lot of years trying to figure that out. And then I was like, "Oh, there's a lot I didn't know." (laughs) It was it was going through my sister's fertility journey with her that I only started to realize what our bodies did and how they work. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, why am I in my mid 30s and I'm figuring this out? That is not okay with me. But also, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I, I had recently like gone into a deep dive about this, but there was the whole uh, conversation about responsible ejaculation. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that might be the best, the best Twitter thread I've ever read. Um, and it went very deep and was like, wait a second, you're right. Neither of my pregnancies would have happened if it wasn't for him. So weird. You didn't, you didn't get yourself pregnant. That's weird. <laughs> so weird. Just saying. I mean, keep putting all the responsibility on me because I have a uterus, but right. Well, and you know, it, you know, Nikki. Like, I also think that there's so much rhetoric around like the types of women who yeah. find themselves in trouble and needing mm. an abortion, and like, <laughs> you were you were married. Yes. You were. You weren't like oh. you 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 weren't some strung out drug addict single person who, who had had a one night stand in a the back of a bar. Like think of every yeah. like every story that the right tries to tell you about the women who get pregnant and have abortions. Like you weren't that. You just you, you were a married woman who said I'm not in a place to raise a child with this partner. And I'm not in a place to carry to term. Like this is not a thing that I can do. Like I, I'm chuckling so at you saying that. Stories. I'm chuckling at you saying that because it was mm, less than a year ago. Ooh, yeah, well, less than a year ago that I had to explain to my mother that I was married at the time that I wasn't just whoring around as she thought I was <laughs> for all Great. of these years. She thought that I just I was using it as a form of birth control for all of these years. And I was like, Mm -hmm. first off, it doesn't matter if that was why I was doing it. But two, no, mom, I was married. You know, you know exactly who the father of that unborn was. Like, you know him, you knew him. Like, 
And that changed her, that changed her view, which also made me even more mad maybe because maybe I should have just let her thinking I was just like sleeping around and I didn't know anything. Um, so I could have battled that with her, but, um, <laughs> because it shouldn't somehow, matter. Yeah, it, it shouldn't. Does, it shouldn't. Um, I hope I'm at the point now where she understands that either of those situations would have been just fine, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe the conversation when she finally approached it with me and she was just like, well, why were you using it as a form of birth control? Basically. <laughs> yes. Let's have a conversation here. <laughs> I'm constantly challenging her. So we all, we all have one of those. So, you know, what are some of the ways that you've been getting involved in the fight for reproductive justice lately? So uh, besides just like sharing and spreading the word and really just spreading resources, um, it is going to rallies. It's attending like training sessions so I can be a better social media advocate. So I know the language that needs to be used. So I know ways that I can talk. It's contacting and speaking with elected officials in my state because man, does my state need some help. Um, <laughs> and we have some big battles coming up in November. So uh, for me, it is also talking to my friends and saying, hey, guess what? We have a governor's election this year and we have one governor who will make sure that we continue to be anti-abortion in the state of Ohio. And we have another option who will push for reproductive rights. Um, that is key. It's also though, like, talking to other people. It's sharing stories when we can. It's just having healthy dialogue too, not shunning people away from me, um, not shunning those that have the opposing view away because I know that that is not going to get me anywhere with them, but I would love to continue to show them that like, it's okay. I am not an, I'm not a bad person. And while you might be against this, there will be other people in your life that will need this just to survive. And we should not be restricting their access. So it's just talking, talking and sharing and fighting. I love like going, if you haven't been to, if you haven't been to a rally, oh man, does that get you energized? Um, <laughs> and, and even more so like to see the young people, because while I am not old, I am not the young people at these rallies anymore. Um, and seeing like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm about to be 40. So like, I, I look at that and I'm like, dude, these, these girls are in high school and middle school and they're out at these rallies and they are pushing and they're understanding how important, how important it is for them to have access. And that is just so exciting to watch. The, this, this young generation is <sighs> incredible. Like, I agree. I, see, I, you know, cause I spent a lot of time on TikTok and I just see some of these young people like, advocating and talking about these issues and like knowing where they stand and being bold. I'm like, holy bejesus. Okay. You actually give me hope for the future. I get pumped. I like my previous job, I worked with a lot of youth uh, in middle school and high school. And I'd always going around the community. I'd always hear people talk negatively about the next generation, which every older generation does. Right. But I would always come back and be like, you have no idea what this next generation is going to do. They are so much more connected and in tune and aware. And they have the, they have the ability to go and research things much easier than we ever did. And they just, they're not okay with the status quo. And I'm cool. I'm cool with that. I will, I will be right here and say, okay, let's do it. I want to watch them break up so many of the things that we've just always done. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Hundred percent. What are some of your favorite resources for learning more about abortion and the fight for reproductive rights? Sweet. I love this. There are quite a few things that you can access. Um, also, I try to tell people, don't just look at one view. Try to get all sides because that is the best way for you to advocate for access is to understand what the other side is using in their, um, in their anti-abortion comments. But there are some really good podcasts to look at. So um, Access Podcast is one of my favorites. Um, Garnett Henderson has done an amazing job over the last year of like really discussing, deep diving into like what abortion is, different kinds of abortion, different reasons for it. Um, there was an entire episode related to religion and abortion, and she uh, interviewed 
uh, women from multiple religions. And that was an amazing, an amazing episode to listen to. Um, there's Strict Scrutiny podcast too, which is um, a, a couple lawyers who are discussing the legal aspects of reproductive justice. Uh, you've got Ordinary Equality. There is uh, a post-row world podcast. I love all of those. Those really provide a lot of brought a lot of details that a lot of people maybe miss when they're when they're talking this. But there's organizations. So you've got the Center for Reproductive Rights. You've got the the Guttmacher Institute. There you go. You've got Hey Jane on um, Instagram. Um, you've got If When How, which is a network of legal professionals who will help uh, those who need access. There's abortion funds. So across across this entire country, you've got different abortion funds that you can support, that you can listen to. Um, you've got the Abortion Care Network. We Testify, which is a great organization who help train um, those who've experienced abortions on how to share their stories. And then uh, when needed, you can testify uh, at the state, at the federal level. Uh, Whole Women's Health is a provider. We are very, you might be very familiar with that organization, but they are very loud. Obviously, Planned Parenthood, Keep Our Clinics, Shout Your Abortion is actually one of the first organizations that I connected with that helped me to start sharing my story. I shared anonymously on uh, through them and then learned that I did not want to be anonymous anymore. But you can share your abortion stories in an anonymous setting or you can share it with your name or a pseudonym, however you want to. But I think it's an amazing, if you go to their website, you can read other people's stories and they range, they range there's a whole range of reasons why people have had abortions. Uh, there's plancpills.org. So there's access to um, to the abortion pills through them. Uh, there's a ton of different, uh, different resources, organizations, people. I know in the state of Ohio, we have Ohio Physicians for Reproductive Rights. So after the Dobbs decision was handed, uh, there was a group of physicians that came together that said, no, we, we're not okay with this because it was... So that decision was handed out earlier in the day. By that evening, our state went from 20-week abortion access to six weeks. Um, oh, and that was because we had a bill that had been um, blocked. And our uh, attorney general immediately went to the courts and said, oh, now we can unblock this. And uh, so our access, and now they're fighting to restrict it even more. But we have a huge group. I think it's well over a thousand physicians in the state of Ohio who are out there, who are speaking, who are sharing, who are saying like, this is healthcare and we need to have access to it. So I know that we're not the only state that are doing that. I listened to you, obviously we saw what happened in Kansas. And I know that the, one of the women who uh, pushed to help Kansas with their, their um, recent election is now working in Kentucky to make sure that Kentucky doesn't go backwards. Um, well, even further backwards. Uh, so there are a lot of people and a lot of organizations that are fighting across this country, and it's great. I'll add one resource. Um, I don't. Th I don't think you mentioned it. Uh, yeah. There's a book called "You're the Only One I've Told: The Stories Behind Abortion" uh, by Dr. Mira Shaw, which is absolutely incredible. Um, it's written in um, sort of uh, like you can just read like a chapter, kind of essay, mm -hmm. story at a time each. Each chapter is a story about some person who has had an abortion and um, it covers all different types of abortions and all different situations and you know even um, going into different genders um, gender identities and so it was a really it's a really powerful book and again like I so we did that uh, Nikki you joined us when we did that for my uh, adoption book club and it was really powerful to talk to some of these adoptive mamas who um were like almost nervous to read the book because they come from a really conservative background and then after reading it they were like oh my gosh this opened my eyes so much just to hear all of these stories and so like i think like you've you kind of alluded to just hearing stories people telling their stories mm -hmm. is so fucking powerful yeah yeah also, one thing, that author, that doctor, she is uh, interviewed multiple times on the Access podcast. Highly recommend. And also, Steffi, those women in your group, like, they were amazing to talk to about that book. And so many of them I am, like, regularly chatting with now because of that. that group. And, yeah, it is, again, and 
this is a great example. I while I came into that group. We were about we were talking about abortion. Also, I'm on the other side of the adoption uh, spectrum than everybody else in that group. But it is everybody coming together, no matter what your experience. And like, let's just talk about it. Let's share. Let's get to un- let's get to a place of understanding instead of fighting. And I don't know. That's that's just how I think about it. We have a lot. Let me get. Let me not. Like, don't get this wrong. Like, I will fight very hard for reproductive justice. But I also feel like we, when we are just fighting, we lose so much in in that fight. Um, And I don't want to turn everybody away. I don't want everybody to just look at this and be like, no, you're a murderer. And I'll never, ever, ever be willing to listen to you. So. Right. I think we have to find a way to kind of come together and bridge some gaps and sit down and ha- sit knee to knee with each other and have, con- have real conversations. Yes. And, look at you. you know, look at you adding all those in there. <laughs> I know. Look at me go. Oh my gosh. I love it. Uh, let's see. So uh, if listeners take just one thing away from our conversation with you today, what do you want it to be? What do I want it to be? I want it to be, okay, there's maybe two things, two things. Sorry, I'm never just a one That's person fine. girl. Gosh. Just this once, but you're never allowed back because. Good. <laughs> okay, two things. One is that it does not matter the reason a woman needs to have an abortion. That is a, a very personal story, a very personal experience. So putting these little, well, in case of rape, in case of the life of the mother, make me so mad because we should never be allowing somebody else to justify why somebody else can have an abortion. Um, if that's what they need, that's what they need. Plain and simple. Two is go out there and have conversations that even if you have never had an abortion yourself, go out there and just be open to listening and learning from others. Share what you know or what you don't know and be willing just to have open dialogue. Love it. Love it. That's it. Yeah. And be willing to like speak up if you hear somebody being a little bit of an asshole. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I mean, have a beat down. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> we do love a good beat down. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Nikki, thank you so much for joining us today and having this really great conversation with us. Wow. Thank you both. You, you both are just awesome, awesome to chat with. Oh, or you're lovely. I will. We will let you come back sometime. (laughs) (laughs) Only if you'll let me. I suppose. So we end every episode with what's bringing us joy. So Nikki, what is making you especially happy this week? Well, um, this has been like probably the same thing that's the last year of my life. Um, But in the last week, we celebrated the first birthday of my nephew and literally everything about him brings me joy. Um, and so at like this evening, I'm going to go spend some time with him because I won't see him for a week because uh, tomorrow I'm leaving for a company retreat for the week. And so I'm going to go get some snuggles in from him. And that's it. Literally just everything about him. He's the most perfect human. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Being an aunt is great. I love oh. being a mom, but you know what? Being an aunt is great, and because you, uh, you you get to be the cool aunt, and also when they do something gross, you hand them back to their parent. I have heard so many people talk to me about being an aunt for so long, and I obviously only got to experience this for the first time last year. I've also never been um, around a baby so much in my life. I did not have the ability to have that kind of closeness with my daughter as she was growing up. So it's like I'm living through all of the things my sister and my nephew are doing right now. It's so much fun to watch them just oh. grow and learn and like figure things out. It's so much fun. Oh, yes. And just to watch a little human just love you so much too. Oh, so good. Love it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's what's making me so happy right now. Love it. Steffi, what's bringing you joy? I get my uterus ripped out next Monday. Well, okay. actually, by the time this goes live, it will have happened. Oh, yeah. it'll By the time this goes live, it'll be yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, bitch, get out of here.
here. Goodbye. It was supposed to have been later this month, and then they called me, and they're like, oh, hey, uh, so the surgery center is doing a bunch of construction, and so we're going to have to change it. But actually, do you want to come in on the 10th? And I was like, yes. I'll fucking take it. Yes. How exciting. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Like, I know that recovery is going to be rough and I'm going to be tired and, you know, whatever. But also, like, I'm not going to lie. Having an excuse to, like, sit in bed and, like, read some books and work on maybe some, like, embroidery and, like, watch some Netflix and take some naps for at least a week of just, like, doing that. I'm not mad about that either. The hardest part will be not being able to pick up Eden. That's going to suck. Yeah. She's not going to like that very much. But we have, like, figured out, like, okay, because my in-laws are going to take her for a couple days when I have the surgery. And then her birth family is going to take her for the weekend after. And then she'll, like, go to school and stuff during the day. And so we're trying to kind of figure out, like, fun things that she can go do. They can, you know, take care of her and keep her busy and occupied and stuff. So there's not, like, as much time of me just alone with her for her to be like, what the fuck? lady why don't you picking me up um but yeah so also i did not plan (laughs) i was originally like because she just recently transitioned into big girl undies and like as of the end of last week and i was like okay well we'll have like you know a solid like three weeks before my surgery for her to like really settle into like being potty trained and like using the potty all the time and being in her undies and then they were like how about the 10th and i was like Okay, so we'll have a week to get her settled in <laughs> to be potty trained before I have surgery. It's fine. It's fine. No stress at all. No stress at no all stress in all at of all. that. But also, her being in undies is pretty fucking great. So not paying for diapers every five seconds is going to be awesome. That also makes me happy. <laughs> Also, I decided I heard from a bunch of like my Instagram followers who have had this procedure done that they were like, you know, what is actually really great after after hysterectomy is like maternity leggings and maternity shapewear. So I may be going to Target and buying maternity leggings for the first time in my life, not because I'm growing a human, but because I'm getting rid of my uterus. So, you know, there's, I guess, two phases in your life where maternity pants could really come in handy in case anyone was wondering. Look, there's a reason why so many moms wear maternity clothes past the time of having a baby. <laughs> it is comfy. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I've heard. So uh, this will be a whole new life experience in so many different ways for me. So anyway, that's that. Megan, I have an idea of what might be making you happy this week. But why don't you see if you surprise me and tell me what's bringing you joy? Uh, I'm pretty sure not because it's Scotland. So <laughs> yes, that's what yeah. I thought. Um, <laughs> so when this goes live, I'll be leaving in a few days. And I'm super excited. Um, I already started packing mostly because I'm concerned that I don't have enough space in my suitcase and I wanted to do a test run. (laughs) So I don't, I don't panic the night before. Space for the things you're taking or space to like leave extra space to bring like souvenirs and stuff home? I mean both. I need to have space (laughs) to bring stuff back, but also I need to be able to fit my things in. It's not super warm in Scotland. I don't know if anyone knows, but, you know, it rains a lot and it's chilly. Um, So I have to bring a bunch of sweaters and I have to bring like a raincoat and I have these waterproof boots that are kind of big and bulky that I'm going to bring that would not be comfortable to wear on the plane. So I kind of have to pack them like they're they're big Big old hiking boots. That would not be great to wear on an eight-hour plane ride. Oh. Um, so, And I'm bringing my tripod because I really want to get pictures of the Northern Lights, which would be impossible without a tripod. You don't think that you could just stand there for a long exposure perfectly still for Look, all of that I time, can, Megan? I can barely stand still to take pictures of food. There's no way. <laughs> like... It's a whole thing. Um, But I did, like, fold up my tripod, put it in its little bag, and it just exactly fits diagonally. Perfect. But now I'm concerned I won't have space for souvenirs. So (laughs) 
it's just a and lot you might going have to on in like, my brain. Figure out like a little like extra, you might you might be buying like a duffel bag in in Scotland to bring home things. Yeah, I mean, I don't really, I don't really want to do that either. I don't know. We'll see. I think I don't have. I I did not try to put everything in, so it could be that I am panicking for no reason, which is likely. Um, mm, you never do that. No. But luckily, <laughs> luckily, the person I'm traveling with, we both are like you know what, we're going to wear the same shirts over and over. And, you know, we might be washing our socks in the sink. Don't think about it. Just, it's fine. <laughs> so it's not like we have to bring 10 changes of clothes. So that's good. That's nice. Yes. It's nice. It's nice to travel with a low key friend where you're like, I don't have to impress you. <laughs> right. Fine. Like who's going to see us? We're tromping through castles and r- ruined sites. Like no one. Are you going to go to care. like, are you going to go to any, like, fancy dinners, or are you just kind of playing No, like, I asked, so we're, one of the places that we're staying, they do, they have, like, a dining room, um, and we have reservations there, but it, I asked if I needed to bring something fancier than, like, jeans and a sweater, and she said no. <laughs> oh, so, that's great. This is, yes. Aside from all the hiking that you're going to do, that's my kind of vacation. Take okay, I don't think it's a lot of... We'll see how much, like, actual, like, hiking hiking it is. It might just be tromping through wet grass to get to ruins. I don't know. We'll see. I shall stay tuned. But also I like hiking, so. (laughs) Well, our, uh, we're, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna take a couple weeks off here because, you know, you're going to Scotland. I'm getting rid of my uterus. Big things happening. And so when we come back, we'll just have to have a big, like, recap episode. Like, what happened in the last two weeks? You can tell us all about Scotland. I can tell you all about surgery. It'll be a real hot mess and also great. Yeah. So I think we'll be back in probably November, Uh-oh. I guess. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea what the date is. I guess, it, yeah. It'll be That'll November. That'll be probably about correct. So yeah. if you're listening to this and don't know when we'll be back, that's about it. Check back in November. <laughs> Until then, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on social media at IRSI Podcast. You can also send us an email at I'd rather stay in podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Bye.